weird to have, but it was funny being the person that was on one side of purity culture mm. and it went against me. Yeah. And now I could feel how other women had been treated. Slash welcome back to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is centered on having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it. Each episode, I'll be inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast is not here to provide you with the answers, but perspective. It aims to make you laugh, think, and hopefully spark conversations for change. None of us have it right. We have all been miseducated. On this episode, I am joined by my besties, Lily, Frida, and Emitha, as we discuss growing up in the church. We unpack lessons on faith, shame, body image, sex, relationships, and so much more. Verbal trigger warning, this episode contains references to sex, abuse, ED, and church hurt. There are a few eclipse sections to protect the privacy of individuals mentioned and to ensure Miseducate is not liable for spreading misinformation. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to Miseducate. As you know, it is not your original host here. Lily, bringing you, bringing you here, home with me. How are you? Yeah. Jesus. Me too. Jesus, that's intro. Oh, I then. I was Welcome doing it. Yeah. Welcome to, to the another Miss episode. Educate podcast. I'm your host. Exactly. Did you not say another episode of the Yeah. I think so. Welcome Hello. back. Welcome. If you. And welcome to us, welcome back to the Miss Educate podcast. Yeah, My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miss Educate blog and now podcast. I was hoping that the, the cast would be able to hear me how I heard her on the, you know, <laughs> the comedy oh, is Lily. The, the <laughs> yeah, the last week, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Lily, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I didn't include it, that was cute. I am including it. I'm okay. going to take it out. Let's do this. Go All on. right. Course, Hello and welcome back to another episode. I am joined by my besties. Y'all are gonna have to introduce yourselves. It's Lily. My name is Emma Fur. And I'm Frida. So as you guys know, we've already had um Frida <laughs> and Lily before. But Emma Fur is new to the podcast. Woo! Hello, so, hello. And obviously you will be hearing more from her in future episodes. I hope so. Of course. Girl. We will be tuned in. Girl. Got a lot to say. She got a lot to <laughs> say. Some of you may know that we became friends because of church was church slash school church slash school but mostly church and that is where our friendship and the relationship that we've had with each other has developed because of that context however life goes on things changed as we will get into in this episode maybe but yeah in saying all that I think we should rewind all the way back mm. and do and kind of figure out because we've all kind of established we grew up in the church, we all grew up together, but how were you guys introduced to church? My parents. You know that whole lead your child in the way of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Bring them to church. 
then at a certain age I realised oh I kind of I love this and I love God so I don't need you to help me anymore mum I got this oh um I was always brought up in it my when I was brought up by my grandparents back home I went to church with them went to church with my auntie and uncle it was a given but that was just Sunday school and I was really young came here my dad was a pastor of a church. My mum was also helping to lead the church. And honestly, that was just routine. From what was going on in our lives, there was no understanding of personal faith. It was just mm. us just doing this routine in religion. The church we were part of, it didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel like God was in it at all. And then it wasn't actually till a family friend brought us... And then I st- we started going there, and I really enjoyed it. And then I think by about age 10, <laughs> I had this really... I was like, one day I was like, all right, God, if we're going to do this for real, I need to decide, like, am I doing this? Okay, cool. And then I kind of started researching into multiple faiths because I was like, I need to know why I believe what I believe. So then I'd read about other faiths, and I'd be like, do I believe this? Do I... Does this make sense to me? Da-da-da-da. Yeah, and I was still a Christian. And then I decided by 13, I was like, right, once I'm 13, I'm getting baptised. And then I was 13, and then a month later, they announced baptisms, and I did it. And yeah, um, what was the... Oh, introduced. Okay, that's just... Introduced the church. That's just the introduction, yeah. All right, Lily, go on. I just remember, you know when you like, looking back, I can't remember how I was introduced. I feel like I just woke up there. You know, mm-hmm. like I was just always there. Yeah, um, like thankfully, it wasn't that wasn't the only place. I think it was the only place once I moved down to CAV. Um, but before then, it was just mainly kind of Kenyan churches oh, and yeah. and that kind of premise. And because I don't really cool, I can hear as much as I can hear, but to fully comprehend what the preacher was trying to speak about. I was always lost in translation, so a part of me never really cared, per se. And then within that space, cool, calm, there was children there. But again, from my memory, I don't remember making friends. I know them because they were a familiar face, but I didn't connect with anything. Then moving down, yes, then West Mids, um, I was, we went moving to CNN. down or up? Whichever way. Oh, it's up. Moving, moving up, West Mids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I came to this church and I was very young. Five, six, something like that. And I remember it being such a tall building, such a high place. And I was so excited to be there. I think because it was just so new but obviously now because it's going to be something that i can try to start to comprehend Mm. i was like okay do i want to do i like this then i took my own journey from there Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i think it was the same like for me it was just i was brought up in the church i don't know anything out yeah i genuinely don't know anything outside of church i was dedicated at three months old like, we went to this church, this church. I don't know a life. I don't even... I never even thought my of my parents to not be Christian. Mm. Like, never. 
it was I grew up in a very religious household I always have to explain that to people because sometimes when people come up to me and they're like you don't know this song or you don't know this movie or why haven't you done this I'm like I grew up very religious like girl you were listening to 90s R&B I was not I was listening to Christian reggae okay so sometimes I understand I hear a beat of a song and I'll be like oh my god that's that that's that Christian reggae so how do you guys know it and then I'm like oh they sampled it. Okay, that makes sense now. <laughs> Sarah said, I got my mind made up. <laughs> no, for real, for real. That's Kirk Franklin. Yeah. I know I all them ones. Like, that was, that was, that's, that's what I grew up on. So I really have to explain that to people because it was a very religious household. And then, yeah, from three years old, I was going to the church where we all met at. So it's literally Since been, three? Yeah, it's been my life. I met, I met Sarah there. It's been my well, we knew each other before. But, but, but you, but your, yeah, but we were already were the ones there. Who told me about yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Three. It's when I tell you, church is all I've ever known. Church is all I've ever known. That church though. That is yeah. that that's the church specifically. Sorry. That's for you. all I've ever known. <laughs> oh, good for you. So then, in saying how we were introduced to church, how did you start your relationship with Christ, or when did you? Give your life to the Lord. Or, as we say in the church, when did Jesus become your personal saviour? Your Lord and personal saviour. That's very... Um, Gotta say it like that. I have my answer, and it's so hilarious. Because the memory just... As soon as you ask the question... Right, Me so... Too. <laughs> I was in year seven. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound so hilarious, but, you know, God works for everyone in their own personal way. <laughs> okay. Amen. This is what got young me. Oh, saying this is going to sound so funny. Nobody yeah. should judge me because me and God have an interesting Only God can judge us. So, it was year seven, and then I hadn't done my design and tech homework, my DNT homework, and the teacher was asking. Like, I was walking into class, mm. like, and I knew the teacher was going to ask, and, like, she was the ones that everyone hated and, like, dreaded this teacher. And I was like, and I, I was like, God, if you let me get out of this homework, then I know you're real. <laughs> And as soon as we got in, she's asking everyone and everyone's pulling theirs out and like shuffling and me, I'm sitting there looking through my bag with this imaginary homework. <laughs> and then she turned around like 10 minutes later, she was like, oh, you know what? I forgot my this, this, this folder, so I can't even collect your homework today. And I said, all right, God, say no more. <laughs> and uh, that was Jesus all it took. That was all it took. He said, Lord, come into my life and there, right now. There were so many things where it was so clear it was God. Like, apart from this, look, this one is funny, and people will be like, oh, is that all it took? Is that because it's just been crazy? Yeah, you can argue against it, but for young me, that was all it took. And then other scenarios came up later on in life that I, me, I have testimonies for days, and mm. it becomes clear in those other moments. But for 10 year old me, that was enough. <laughs> and I was baptized. I'm so sorry, Frida. I was probably around like six or seven. We were in the young the hall, yeah. Hall for the young kids during church. This was before our church became what it is now. The big mm. building. And I remember I remember that hall so distinctively. And I remember who used to lead it as well. I remember like listening to her and just being like she was just I think she was trying to get us to like say that we believed in Jesus or to be saved. And at that point I didn't know what that was. But I remember being like, 
yeah, I do believe in Jesus and I do love him. And I just felt, you know, that feeling that you get the Lord or the Holy Spirit just holding you. And I've been like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I remember going up and I felt so happy afterwards. I think I got like a little certificate or something. And I showed my mum. And then from then on, I was like a proper Christian. And I don't think I got re-saved again after going to that festival mm -hmm. and encountering what I to this day still believe was God speaking to me and I just knew and I said I'm going to get baptised and then I got baptised and became a Christian and now I've lived back since Aww. so that was my journey yeah that's cute that's Plain sailing cute. I like it. I was a proper Christian. I used to have my Bible in my backpack every wow. day. Me, my bestie. <laughs> me, my best. Because that was part of the reading for school. Remember when you start? Oh, yeah. yeah you yeah. start school yeah. and they give you the list. We went to a Christian it was school. In the, it was in the diary. The first the first page. What's his face? It said required reading the Bible. Like, bring the Bible. Nah, what's his face? That, went and, we went and bought a whole new Bible. That one flipping... Uh, What's it, what are they called when it's a new teacher but the teacher's gone substitute substitute yeah would make us thank you that substitute teacher yeah he would make us get the diary out go to page flipping four and read out the quoted flipping verse from said thing before every lesson we wouldn't science pe anything if i had this specific supply teacher mm. hey wow it was over it was over with page four all right cool I don't think I ever looked at what was what were they called? The know. diary thing in the gym. What's the name for it? Whatever it's called. I call it diary. I call it diary. Yeah, it was our diary. Was our diary. It was like a planner for us. I think it was where you put your homework, homework and yeah. used to get them That was really forge. good. Ah, oh, this is why I love to write things down. Look at them indoctrinating us. I never use it. Oh, well, I used it all I the time. I use it now. I have to write my to-do list. Or else I'm going to forget. I forged everything. They don't know the difference. My mum. My mum found out because she hadn't been doing it for months and then I think I asked one day and she was like, hang on, how have you been doing the other ones? And then she saw I'd been copying it and then she <laughs> said that she was going to get me for fraud when she caught me. Uh, try and me. She said it was fraud. No, you know, it's mom not saying she's going to do you for fraud. It's yeah. a school thing. Said, Chill. It's not no said, bank statement. Like, I was <laughs> just signing the Lily, diary. Lily, what's your faith story? Yeah, go on. Mine's a bit <laughs> of a wobbly-woo because I didn't know what I wanted and I didn't know what I was listening to. I didn't know what I was here. So, obviously, cool, calm, entered the church. My, my memory starts from when I was five. I know I was there before, possibly. But when I was, that's mainly because of the people surrounding. Oh my God, I knew you when you were five. So, the number five is what I start with. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, from my memory, being young, I was surrounded by age mates i was surrounded by people of my energy i was always you know it was always high spirits in all of the whether it's the friday nights whether it was the sundays whether it's whatever times and when we're all there as children it would be such high spirits that i'm like yeah i like this i'm digging this let me let me continue mm. then i we fast forward i think i'm 13 
and we go to get baptised in a hot tub because I'm bougie. Oh, you went as well. I was in the hot tub. That was when the church had, they didn't have a place to yeah, baptise Yeah, 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 yeah. This is when we, we occupied someone's house <laughs> to be bathed in. Nice yeah. It was nice. I remember my mum got baptised there It too. was nice. Did you I, get a certificate and everything? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, he, my journey through that, I was like, yeah, cool, come from then I'm going to be passionate, I'm going to be on it. Yeah. We go to that festival. Mm-hmm. And again, looking there, being there, feeling that spirit in that atmosphere, I chose God and I said, okay, cool, I'm going to be serious now because, yes, cool, come and baptised. But I wasn't walking in any kind of faith. Do you, do you get it? Like, I was still just living my life, yeah? I wasn't reading no Bible. I wasn't... The only thing that I was always, always connected to with church was worship. Mm. And that's what somewhat kept me sane. So whenever we went to late-night worships, whenever we went to anything that was musical in any way it would bring me back and me like lily this is why this is what is calling you here this is what's bringing you the peace that you keep looking for Mm. then now we fast forward and i'm like god i do not like this church i was like now i'm done the people yes i got disappointment was just ongoing within this place right i'd want to be in one position and the word no was just the favorite word to be used by me uh, from for me sorry um so that really distanced myself from the church itself and the people within it and i was like nah these people they don't care they don't want to see me grow within it they don't want to nurture me they don't want to teach me they don't want to do anything why on earth am i trying to walk a certain way or follow any kind of footstep if there's no one to mentor there's no one to 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 guide me in any sort of way so I really started distancing myself. And that was what? When was that? Um, let's say, yeah, let's say I was 18 when I first moved out. Mm-hmm. I did not go to church at all for a good two years. I was saying, I was looking at Sundays like, rah, this is what they really are like, yeah. <laughs> not waking up this early. First time ever in your life that you Mate, went to church on I Sunday. was not going to church. My Revolutionary. Mom, my mum wasn't bothering me. No one was worried. I was like, this is waking what people... Waking up at 7 o'clock. This is what the non-Christian people do on, a do on Sundays, mm-hmm. you know. Pe- people who do Sabbath, they do it on a Saturday. So their Sundays are free anyhow, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so... I was realising that, right, I'm actually so distant from the church and it was literally around the corner from my house. That realisation, that the proximity is close. It's my heart and my willingness to go that is so far from it. And I started to be like, nah, Lil, you know that that place was once a place you called home. Mm -hmm. You know that that's what you wanted and where you wanted to be, where you wanted to grow in because you started from youth. You started as a child there. That's the only place that you should be someone in. I can't, I was going and visiting other churches, I was going around the whole of Cove saying, oh, which church do I want to put my feet in? Knowing that, nah, the church that I called home should have flipping took me in in the first place, man, what are they playing at? So I went back, and that's when I, they had one night, I can't remember what night it was, but it was either a night or uh, uh, one of the mornings where they asked, they said, oh, if anyone here wants to be, you know, blessed or give their life back to God, just stand up where you are right now. I stood up. I was like, yeah, God, you're talking to me, man. It's been a minute since I've said I choose you. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute where I've said I'm here and I'm listening and I'm open. So I then, I stood up, I wept, I felt everything. 
I got my little my little notebook, my whatever thing. Tried New to Testament. Act, yeah. I even wanted to do an alpha course and just try and get back to the basics. Mm-hmm. But then my my habits started to fall back in place where I didn't have the energy to go back to church. I didn't care because now when I did, when I was up, I tried to get my feet into the places where I wanted to be. I tried to be whether within the music or within the serving or within whatever, the children, be a part of the church with purpose Mm. and the continuousness of no or maybe not yet or you can be this, you can be there, not here, where you want to be. It's just a continuous downfall and that's where I still am now. That's why I'm back to where I was those two years ago, Mm. feeling like I don't need to go if I'm not wanted, if I'm not needed. I can, thankfully, they did the thing on YouTube. I'm low-key grateful for COVID because if that wasn't the case, then I wouldn't be able to bring church home. Mm. Do you get it? Well, so, yeah, there are times where I will purposely and cho- like cautiously choose, let me take, let me bring church home. I'll go on YouTube, put it on the speaker, worship, listen to the word, just that. But the efforts to go to a place that I know I've always heard the words no to and an atmosphere that I have not been loved and nurtured in, mm is really it really you know puts a limitation to my willingness to want to be a part of that institution and be a part of that home quote mm. unquote mm-hmm. so it's always been up and down rock road rocky road i don't know when it will be up again it's mm-hmm. always there though there's always a resonance mm-hmm. of it yeah i know that i might be whether I'm saying to myself, girl, no, if you don't do, if you don't stop what you're doing right now, you're going to hell. Like, I know, I know, <laughs> I know that there are times where I'm not doing things in a godly manner. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing things that I should be doing. And that's something that I guess I'm still working on because I liked it. It was a good life. There was nothing that, the only, the only thing that gave me pain and struggles was the words that I heard from, from the people, people that I wanted to hear opposite from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The people within the church? No, that's where I found you guys. The do you, do you understand? Yeah. It was them. And if those are always going to be at the root of the tree, then what's the point in sitting by the plant? Do you know what I mean? Like It's always going to grow the same way. It's always going to be them. So. Or people like them. Or people like them. So. Mm. And I'm afraid to find another church because I'm traumatised. Well, we'll go back into some of the things that you said in your answer there because those are kind of like following questions um but yeah it's just kind of what's it called went to a kids camp when i was younger gave my life to jesus oh my god you remember that yeah gave my life to jesus there and i think yeah i think similar to you guys it was a very rocky road of kind of believing in God, not believing in God, but I think for a very long time I was very just religious and I don't think I made the conscious decision to really follow God and to choose God and not religion until I actually left home at 18. Wow. And even then, it's just been... It's been a journey. I, you literally just unlocked a memory. Yeah, that's why I did. Yeah. I actually remember the dance competition from all the different churches. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. the songs for me. <laughs> I remember they had a swimming pool and yeah. everyone went to swim and I couldn't swim. So I got in and I faked it because I was tall enough and the other kids weren't. So I used to fake it. I'd walk, but I'd kick my legs back real high. 
<laughs> and then my mom said that someone told her, "Oh, your daughter's a really strong swimmer." <laughs> it is just you walking. Because it was a kiddie pool, I was tall enough. Because I was taller than the other kids, I was just walking along. But I kicked my back legs up really high, like you know, like a ballerina. So they mm. think, "Damn, she's swimming now." So I was just walking. I was just walking across the pool. I, the pool. I can imagine you doing that. Like your legs, because my mom came what? back when I got back. My mom was like, "What happened?" I was like, "What do you mean?" She was like, "Someone was like, oh, your daughter's a really good swimmer.'" And I was like, <laughs> "I'm an actor." <laughs> <laughs> she must have been so confused. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've never taught her. Never taught her. Yeah. This is just an what ability. <laughs> no, I was faking it in the pool. That's just unlocked a memory. Yeah, I think I went once. I went so many times. So many times. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we yeah, really milked one of these cabs. What were you supposed to do during the summer? Sorry. Now, as an adult now, I understand why my parents sent me away. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm supposed hi. to work a nine-to-five job while my kid is at home for six weeks. Mm. Absolutely not. Yeah. And in America, they're home for three months. Hey, get out of here. Go to camp. Yeah, Every single camp. week. Nah. <laughs> Even the six... I don't know how people do six weeks. No. When I'm working at nine-to-five... Yeah, that's, uh, true. that's true. And uh, you know, all the nah, kids shout out to all the parents out there because I don't know how you did it. You know, I don't know how you did it. You know, how am I supposed to entertain this child and keep her alive? Like I can. And fed and <laughs> like watered every single day, three meals a day. And then even in this in this England, where the weather is hiki haga hiki haga, you know, sometimes rain, sometimes heat waves. Sometimes I'm sorry. Floods. What am I supposed to do at the same time? Ah. Oh. Shout out parents. Shout out to the parents because I don't know how y'all did it. For real, for real. So my next question is, what are your memories of church in three words? Tea, mm-hmm. my friends, and Jesus. Majority of the time I was there for my friends. The worship, that's it. I don't have a third. I don't know how to put mine into words. Um, we'll say serving. Um, journey. Because it was a constant one. I don't know what my third would be. Um, emotional. Mm. Yeah. So much crying. Damn, what my three? I would say music, family, Jesus. Because again, these are people that I knew since I was three years old. So these people are my family. Mm. As much as Again, we'll get into it, but those people are my family. I've known them my whole life. Can I change mine? Yes. <laughs> I'll put emotional in mine as well, but not for what you think. Crying, friendship, and Jesus, slash worship, slash Holy Spirit, slash comfort. That's more than three words. Girl, you just <laughs> put slash so you could have. She's not allowed to change not, No more. No more. <laughs> Next question. She's Next done question. Like words. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Okay, so my next question is, especially going into youth and some of the things that we probably had to unlearn in our adulthood or are still unlearning in our adulthood, is what did church teach you about yourself? And, and I have four different aspects. And the first one is, what did church teach you about yourself regarding your body? Um, what did they teach us about body? Or me, but my body. Mm. Cover up. Yes, cover up. And not to use it in a, in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, as in, 
abstain from sex, abstain from understandable not to do with the body more than mine, drugs and alcohol, yes, cool, calm, those aren't things that are preachable, but in the in the eyes of science, let's say, those things, some some of those things could be, whether it's beneficial for a mental health or whatever, right? So those things, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't expressed, but they weren't also taught about, do you understand? If now I was to run a church, I would express how, yes, these things can alter you. And this is why this is bad, instead of not talking about that at all, do you understand? So mm-hmm. whenever I was going into my journey of, I'm a smoker, by the way, guys, don't judge me, of smoking, of doing all the bad things, I was like, shit, would I be seen different in church now? Just by the way my body looks and how I carry myself and how I am, mm-hmm. because I wasn't, there was no teaching, there was no... expression of any kind of conversation in terms of how the body can be nurtured without Christ mm. does that make sense because mm-hmm. the only thing that I ever knew about the body was what armour wearing the armour of Christ mm-hmm. and filling it with the right kind of fruitfulness mm-hmm. and spirit all of these analogue kind of conversations about the body instead of how we actually what it is, do you understand? Mm-hmm. And then now me wanting to be a part of the actual stage in terms of being on, on, in the, in the, in the worship band, there was a specific dress code. There was a specific way they wanted us to present ourselves. Mm-hmm. There was, there was, you know what I mean? We couldn't, whether it's a, wear a specific neckline or have a specific length of dress or skirt, those were images that they put in our head that, that is the wrong way to come to church when in all honesty I think you can go in a bin bag and the Lord will still say hi mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. But that was my take that's 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 I think what I because I didn't learn anything about my body they didn't express and they didn't but they didn't also show they didn't magnify anything to do with it do you understand mm-hmm. the people that were on view like viewable within eye view there weren't nothing that looked like us. Yeah, there was only one ever. Yeah. So in terms of being good enough and being the right body for the church, we were never we we weren't. There was no representation. There was no visualization. There was no nothing that could say that we could be the head or we could be somewhat better than be put in a position to be seen as. I agree with you. I was gonna say something similar. I think growing up there was definitely like a dress code or certain people that were pushed above others that looked a certain way and especially being young black girls you know immediately were hypersexualized we can never get away with what some of the other girls were wearing mm-hmm. maybe maybe because of our parents and because of where we were raised but mm. you know our but yeah our bodies were are just built a little bit different and that is always something that is our fault it's mm-hmm. never whoever's looking at us maybe they're the problem it's always us and not me specifically but someone I was close to at the time you know she, we were young and she had breasts and that was always a point of conversation whether it was in leadership 
what she was wearing or amongst each other mm. it didn't help as well that she had darker skin mm. that just probably made it even worse because that just made her even more noticeable and more seen but like you said Anika, like we could never get we could never wear leggings Mm-mm. skirts mm. anything like that we can mm. never just be kids we in the church sure that we had something covering us and if we did someone would immediately comment on it. Someone would mm. immediately say something or say something to our parents mm-hmm. and they'll get back to us. So that was always something that kind of made me uncomfortable and a bit more wary. Um, but yeah, even what we really said, like even in the leadership or in places of power or anything like that, you would very rarely see people who look like us. I'm sure that's changed now as time has gone on because back mm-hmm. then I was, we're talking about like, 2000s 2010s that's mm-hmm. a very different time mm-hmm. the church was white when we got there it yeah. really it was. was just a white church took over. and a bunch of africans said i like it here we like and girls and then we brought our friends we were literally the second and black family yeah like it was i white literally church. know the black people i remember i know exactly who they are yeah shout out to them they you could count families. on like your hands the black families that were there in the beginning like mm-hmm. it it was a white church it was Black people just found it just came and were like, no, we like it. Let's yeah, that's what it I'll was. call my friend. Have you ever heard of this church? Mm-hmm. We should come along on a Sunday. And then, I mean, I feel like it got bigger because yeah, it became so much more diverse. Uh, mine was interesting, really. I remember very clearly one night at youth. I think they used to do it like once a year. They'd split the boys and the girls up. Uh, and then they'd do a talk with no, the boys. No, oh my God. Why are you bringing girls. out Because the, I remember, yeah, I remember that one where whoever was speaking to the girls mm-hmm. had a bowl of chocolate. Oh, I remember this night. Yes. That was audible, by the way. Oh, was it? <laughs> had a bowl of chocolates and then had them out as they were talking. And then talked about, oh, cover them up. Because when it was uncovered and she was talking to us, they were a distraction. But then when they were covered up, it was not a distraction anymore. To be honest, back then, that didn't really resonate with me at all. Mm -hmm. Because we're human beings, we're complex, there's more to us. And in terms of the... In terms of purity culture, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Somebody that wants to do something to you will do it regardless. It's not about how you dress or carry yourself. It's about how they want to treat you. They ain't got nothing to do with you. Mm. So I remember that very clearly. I don't really think that resonated with me back then. But funnily enough, I went through a phase where... I don't want to say I was radical, but a lot of my my thoughts had changed. To be honest, for the better. I... Very drastically, I think within the space of a year, I went from me. I love shorts. I love batty riders. Yeah, yeah. yeah I skin out. I and I was sewing back then. One of the first outfits I made was like a bandeau with a tight skirt. Mm-hmm. I remember I was going to a party, so I wore a t-shirt over the bandeau. And as soon as my mom left, I took it off uh, the t-shirt so that I had skin out, skin out. And then when she came to pick me up, I put the t-shirt back on. So I went through that, and then by the next summer, I. The shorts I had, I had two pairs of shorts. They were really loose and baggy and they went down to my knees. <laughs> I had proper tops. I didn't really, like if I had crop tops, whatever I was wearing was really high-waisted so I didn't show skin that much. My tops were kind of baggier and looser. But it's really funny because ever since those two shorts, I don't even wear shorts in public to this day. 
And I don't know, it's just not my thing. I don't really vibe with it. I think at first, I went through a stage where I was a teenager that wanted to feel desirable, mm. which a lot of teenagers go through because you want to feel like somebody wants you. You want to feel as if there's nothing wrong with you, mm. you know? You mm-hmm. want that validation. But, yeah, I actually... I'm glad I went the opposite way for a long time because I saw myself as, like, undesirable out of my friendship group. Like, the most undesired. And, like, I looked at all my friends, I was like, these girls are gorgeous, they're beautiful, they're funny, they're smart, they're this, they're that. And people were like, they get approached, they get talked to, boys like them. Didn't really happen with me. So I had the phase where I was like, I'm going to dress this way just to see what I get. And then after I saw what was outside, I said, no, 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 animals. Mm. this is wild animals that just approach any and everybody mm. and then I went the complete opposite covered up a bit a bit and then I went to uni and this story it's your discretion if you put this in because it okay. might help with the thing right so I went to uni and then my mum dropped me off first night unpacked as a Next morning, I woke up and I needed to go to the supermarket to go and get some shopping done and then I woke up, I said, oh, stomach on flat, flat. And I had my jeans and a bra on and I took a picture because stomach was on flat, flat. And I said, oh my gosh, wow, I was loving it. Because by this point, I'd been going to the like, gym and like I was really learning to love my body and who I was and how I looked. And I didn't mind the fact that I was toned and athletic. Because mm. before I used to like, I want to be curvy, like, oh God, whatever. Mm. And then I found on Google Maps, well, I need to hurry this story up. So I went, I used Google Maps to go to the supermarket uh-huh. in this new area. This was my second day moving out of home. I used Google Maps to go to Asda. And I remember this clearly. It was a 23-minute walk. And then I had the map in my pocket. And I was just walking, 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 walking. And then I did my food shop. And then I walked home. And I got home. My phone was hot. And the battery was low. And I was so confused. And I was like, oh, crap. What's happened? And like loads of things were open on the phone. Because I had my hands in my pocket when I was walking home. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my, like, WhatsApps. And then I'd seen, like, I'd put some message into, like, this group chat with, like, my friends, whatever. And I was like, oh, hand was in my pocket. And then hours later, in the life group group chat, I saw a message from my life group leader that said, oh, Emma, for I don't think this message was supposed to be sent for us. And it was the, like, covering eyes emoji. And what had sent? The picture of myself. And as soon as I saw that message, I cried. <laughs> Guys, you, can, you know what? It's the first time I'm saying this out loud to like other people. I, only like three, four friends know this happened because I, I feel cried. Like I, know, I, feel, I feel like you told me this. I cried. I cried a lot. I like, I, it's so funny. I sat at my windowsill at my bedroom looking outside into pitch black and I just cried <laughs> for like two hours. I'm and so then sorry. I literally, all I, as soon as I saw the message, I just put, oh, this wasn't supposed to send to anyone. Because they thought I was sending it to someone and sending it to the wrong person. I wasn't supposed to send it at all. I just liked my stomach. And from there, their relationship with me was hilarious. As in, they did not speak to me again. I didn't want to speak in the group chat. I didn't like the fact that people waited hours and nobody told me directly. It was in the group chat. I just felt very, I felt really exposed. I felt really vulnerable and I hated it. And especially because this was my first time living out of home as well. And I was literally on my own. And then this happened and I literally wanted to throw up. And I didn't know what to do myself for like over a week. It was horrible. And then I didn't want to come back to Coventry. 
And then the first time I came back, because obviously my birthday is in October, so I was only back like a month later. I came back. I didn't want to go to church. I went to church and they did not speak to me. They didn't look me in the eyes. They completely ignored me. And then as soon as that happened, I just thought, oh, these people, like, they think I'm a slut. They think I'm a whore. They think I'm this. They think I'm secretly doing this. And it was funny because back then, my whole ideas of purity culture was hilarious because I wanted to be like, I'm a virgin. No, I'm not one of those whores, which is <laughs> not the idea to have. But it was funny being the person that was on one side of purity culture mm. and it went against me. Yeah. And now I could feel how other women had been treated. Mm. And I was thinking, I'm not one of those. But how would they know? Mm. Because they've seen that image and now they have put me put, into that yeah, category yeah, 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 straight yeah. away. Yeah. And Rude. honestly, for a whole year, I did not really... Every time I came back to Coventry, I did not want to go to church with my family. And that was the first, like, I went from somebody that was in church so much and mm. was serving and was in leadership and at the pastor's homes and, like, church was the core of my life in mm. every aspect. And one thing happened and I did not want to step back foot in. I think I didn't step back properly. I, didn't, I, I came for Christmas, kind of, and then I literally ran. I didn't, nobody could look me in the eye, like, people that knew. And then I kept thinking, oh, who did they tell? Do they, oh, they're talking about me. All of this is happening at home. And I'm thinking, who's going to tell my mom? Like, yeah. And, like, and I'm thinking, everyone has that image. How like, I literally never spoke to those people again. And I didn't properly come back into church for, like, a year. And then that day I came and, like, actually sat by myself without, like, the crutch of my family. And I bawled my eyes out. I was bawling, bawling, bawling. And I think they even did an altar call. I went to the front and I was bawling. Not even because of, like, she went to go and do things. But then it was just the fact that I went a whole year without the basis of, what I thought was me, mm. just because of that one incident. That, and I was thinking, I didn't even do nothing, man. Mm. Uh, it, it literally, it's flipped my whole relationship. Because in that year, I was depressed. There was one point I was in my room for like two weeks, just crying. And it was just, I went through a lot. And at one point I was questioning God and I was like, do I even want to be Christian? So then I tried to not be Christian for a couple of weeks and I hated it. Worst couple of weeks of my life. Mm. Absolutely hated it. I literally, I was like, off me because what the hell is this mm. and i didn't like who i was as a person i just hated my body hated myself yeah very much hated myself because i was like why did i do and i start to blame myself so yeah that um that happened and then from there it became the complete flip opposite again where it kind of felt like well i've been branded as this i'm gonna run outside mm. kind of yeah and in the heart of hearts, I was still cautious, still didn't want to expose myself to men and da, da, da. But it was just like, well, if I had been painted in this image, I'm become the party girl. And that's how she was birthed. But yeah, um, <laughs> how I view my body, thankfully now, is a lot different, a lot healthier. But wouldn't it be nice if, like, within churches, things like that weren't somewhat stigmatised? And, yeah. And they were said, like, as in... Not even accidents happen, but you're allowed to admire your body. Yes. You're allowed mm-hmm. to look in the mirror and appreciate oh, what's God. there. Exactly. It is okay to take pictures of yourself. Mm-hmm. It is okay to remember a time where you felt the best you felt mm. and remember it in a physical format. Yeah. yeah. Understandable, mistakes can happen, but that is that is nature, it wasn't isn't it? Accident. That's oh, nature. Guys, well, no, I'm saying I'm saying mistakes as in whether you purposefully in that moment wanted to send it to someone. And then minute like as soon as you press send, I shouldn't have done that. Mm. That is a mistake, and you, as yourself, 
you're allowed to feel sexy within yourself mm. before you send it off, before mm. you feel bad. Mm. You know what I mean? And that whole culture of, that's what I mean about the church didn't really teach about body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, they taught you and locking that memory with the, with the chocolates. That's the only aspect that they ever brought about it. And it's such a negative light. It's always mm-hmm. in the Every time that they well. brought any sort of real world into the conversation, it mm-hmm. would be put in such a negative light mm-hmm. that was like, okay, if you do this, this is who you are. This is what God sees you as. And this is how you're going to be seen within this church. When in reality, you want me to love God. How can I love myself? How can I love next man? How can I love my friends? Mm. If you haven't given me any insight that it's okay to love my body. Mm. It's okay to... Do you understand? Yes. Yeah. The mm. church does that, does that. It makes you judge yourself, what you're wearing, who you're talking to. And it makes you judge other people based on such shallow things as well. 100%. Like you were close to these people, they yeah. knew you. But in that one moment, all that forgiveness and what would Jesus do went out the window. Because mm. mm. your brand is something that you were not. Yeah, and it's not even just that. Suddenly they thought they didn't know me. Because they're thinking, oh, is she living double life? And oh, Loki, mm. she'd be talking to man, sending pictures. I mean, do what you want, it doesn't matter. But yeah. it's suddenly that little thing made their perception. They just like, oh, this ain't you I knew. Gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, I didn't, I literally, that one incident, yeah, I left. And it must have been hard too, because like you said, your whole identity was around church. And then when you lost that and the people around you, you felt that you lost yourself. Yeah. And I think that's what the church as an institution kind of relies on, is people putting their whole identity into other people around them in the church more than in God. Mm. Your identity should be in God and his love and who he wants you to be and loving yourself and not in trying to please those around you through actions and words and reputation. Like they should have ideally in an ideal world where we're all good Christians, they should have been like, Oh, and you've made a mistake. That clearly wasn't for us to see. Mm-hmm. Let's all forget about it and move on. But mm-hmm. instead they went the other way and they completely shunned you. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even know if it was intentional because for all I know it was too awkward for them to yeah, look at me. Not even that, like maybe they thought associating with Amita then meant that that was know. we'll never know. I don't even talk to any of them to this day. And know. like they were all adults, I was the youngest, and it just oh that makes it even worse. Even thinking back to it just makes me so uncomfortable. That I'm makes sorry. it even worse to this day. Ah! Sorry, <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we got through it, and I like my body and myself, and I like God. Because all of that can exist kind of at the same, same time. time. Yeah. Exist, yeah. Now, I I feel like my journey is very similar to you guys'. It was very much cover up. Um, just being very uncomfortable with my own body. I don't think it's when... I don't think it was until I actually started going to the gym and going to the gym consistently. And it wasn't because, oh, I think I'm really hot and stuff like that. It was genuinely I was seeing myself. Because I always viewed myself and my body as I am weak. I am small. Mm. Anybody could overpower me right now. I am small. I am weak. I my body is worthless. All that different stuff. I was hyper fixated for a very long time on this very petite, borderline anorexic mm. body type mm. that was not healthy for me. But that genuinely, because a lot of it wasn't just church. It was society, just in general, especially like as a young black girl growing up in a society that doesn't value 
curves and stuff like that, which typically are found on black women or women of color. Um, a lot of the, what's it called? A lot of the dress code when you are a part of the worship team did not account for, and I do remember having a conversation when these dress codes were introduced with some of the other black women that were on the worship team and just being like, these codes, these standards don't actually account for women that have curves and that's not fair on them because they're not meaning to dress in a salacious, provocative provocative way. It just so happens because of their body type. Mm -hmm. Have we really accounted for every single body type? And I do remember one Sunday, there was a heat wave and I remember being like, it was unexpectedly hot. And everybody just kept saying, Sarah, why don't you take off your jacket? Take off your jacket, take off your jacket. It's very hot. And I was like, I can't. Because if I do, I'm breaking the dress code. So I wore a jacket for the entire service, two services. On stage, I was hot. Under lights, people were like, take off the jacket. I said, it's breaking church, like the dress code, so I can't. I was more concerned about what other people would think of me Mm. and the rules that were set rather than thinking about it is hot Mm. and these are not the conditions for anybody here. Um, But I don't think, I don't necessarily, from my own experience, I don't think that it was like church was definitely the pointing finger from my experience, but I do think that they were factors Mm. in the negative, negative, view out perspective that i had on my own body mm. it was very much like don't look at your body da, 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 da. and it wasn't until later in life a couple of years ago when i did start going to the gym and working out that i was like i'm strong and i'm confident and i like my body and also doing those very as much i always call them cheesy but they're actually really helpful like actually just looking at my body in the mirror looking at my naked body in the mirror and being like, you are beautiful, you... Mm -hmm. And, like, looking at my body, talking to my body, even in my morning prayers to God, I'm like, I I am thankful for my body. And I talk about each body part, and especially if somebody that grew up not liking their skin colour as well, being like, I am thankful for my melanated skin and all that different stuff. It seems cheesy, but it's very powerful, especially for, like, healing your own inner child Mm. and allowing that inner that younger Sarah to heal. And I think that's also a thing as well that we kind of did touch upon as being black in a church that was predominantly white and then became black. It was also a journey within itself because you don't see yourself reflected. Well, it it was very long time until we really saw ourselves Mm. reflected and represented in what was the leadership of that church. And that takes a toll on you as a young black woman because you're thinking, Am I ever go? And that's the thing. There were so many talented, mm. God fearing mm. women that were wise and were like they are the people that personally I still look up to now mm-hmm. and that encouraged me in my own faith. But they were never being put in positions of leadership or never really given the platform to speak or encouraged because. They favoured other people over them. And it leads you to kind of look at, was it race? Was it desirability politics? What is it? Why is it only this certain type of person is chosen and not these type of people? Things have changed, obviously, now, but still, 
we have to still hold people accountable for the actions that were taken. Why? It was, yeah. yeah. The thing is, is my question is always, why did it take so long? Why was this a com- Why was this a conversation to begin with? Why do people have to specify? Oh, I was the first. The first why? We should be ashamed that you were the first black person in this many years. Mm-hmm. To touch uh, up on what you said about body, I think that was why I took that long break, that two year whatever break from church, mm-hmm. was because I went through a physical change. Mm-hmm. And being there, not even from the leaderships of the, the congregation, I know that they were looking at us, right? Mm-hmm. The congregation was looking at not only just the children, but the black kids or the, the, the naughty kids or the boy, all of us, right? We were all seen and as... At a certain point, there was a, well, it was us and another person and it was like a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. about Pastor King? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were, we were highlighted. It was like a, yeah, it was we were highlighted. And then, so for me to go through that, that physical change, I was, ash- not ashamed, yes, ashamed, and also embarrassed mm-hmm. and... and weary of what or how I'm going to be viewed now of that simply because I always saw myself as the strong individual as the big bone person as the person with big chest all this that yeah physically and you know metaphorically big chest you know (laughs) um and then it all went so now I felt like all the eyes was going to be like oh damn you changed oh damn you're this you're that you're this and I did get that when I did go back even though the journey of me healing and getting physically healthier was in rotation but that was the one thing that I was always so cautious and that's why I didn't go when I was skin thin was mainly because of the people not with what the church was teaching not with what it's the mentality of image that was already put into the people that were sat in the church that were already mm-hmm. sitting there saying, okay, this is how I look, this is how everyone else is looking. We appreciate these kind of looks of people because there were other people within the church. There was homeless people, there were people mm-hmm. of other kind of denominations and other kind of faiths that were somewhat put to the side because of who they are and how they carried themselves and what they look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah? I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to have that kind of stigma towards me. So I physically didn't go there mm-hmm. until I knew that I'm able enough to not only walk the walk but to hear what they have to say and take it Mm. there is a stigma in the church unfortunately and it's 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 almost funny because it really does contradict what the bible says but there is a stigma and a very high perception of image Mm. within church you do have to look a certain way they do favor you it's unfortunate but from what i've experienced from many different churches and, and as an institution itself is that you are favoured when you come from a certain background, when you look a certain way, when you have even just a certain story type. There is, there, unfortunately, it's image-based. Like, I will never forget being a youth leader at youth and during our debrief, the topic of conversation was there was a certain girl that came to youth this was like a 14 year old girl came to youth and wore something that did not abide by the dress code and it was the first topic of conversation during our debrief and it was brought up by a grown married man and I remember them being like she shouldn't have been wearing that somebody needs to pull her aside and talk to her about her outfit and I will never forget that the youth leader at the time the the leader of the youth 
at the time being like, yes, I think we should talk about it. We should talk about modesty, all that different stuff. And then seeing, talking about how she never knew growing up that it was her responsibility to dress appropriately in order for her Christian brothers not to stumble. And I remember Mm. feeling physically sick to my stomach. I felt physically sick to my stomach. And that literally brings me to kind of our next point about what did church teach you about sex and relationships? Because for me, it taught me that relationships, especially as a cis-het woman, everything is my responsibility. It is my responsibility to make a man happy. It is my responsibility to become a wife. It is my responsibility to remain pure and holy and untouched and to be virginal and to not eat the chocolate cake and to literally suppress all the feelings that I've ever had. Doesn't matter. You're horny. I'm not supposed to even say that as a woman, I'm horny. That's a boy thing. I am not horny. I am pure, virginal, white as snow, uncrushed flower. A hundred percent, I don't know. God sent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Nothing is untouched. Because that's, especially that story itself, really affected me. I genuinely, I didn't know how to speak in that moment. Mm. I felt disgusted because I was like, we are adults talking about a child. But that's what, how they were treating her is how a lot of us grew up. It's and how, it's how what she was wearing was in conjunction to how the boys would react mm-hmm. and how it was then her responsibility to make sure... To cover up. But, like, I feel like that's just church in general. The only time they ever talked about our bodies or our worth, either than, you know, being like, God loves you regardless, was always along the lines of sex. Mm-hmm. It never was about you as an individual alone. It was always you like you said you as a sexual being and how you're a piece of chocolate you're Mm -hmm. a flower Mm -hmm. and how you need to present yourself for men you're an object to be consumed by a man because again a lot of the analogies that they were giving to us were you're a flower you're chocolate you're this it's like lollipop that is uncovered oh my god the lollipop (laughs) yo the lollipop i remember this Lollipop, if you take the wrapper off it. Yo, we really tried it, you know. The thing is, I think those messages came from a place of fear. 100%. They were so worried about the fates of the young people, which is valid. And I too am terrified when I think of young people. (coughs) Sorry. That they don't want there to be any misunderstanding, I think. So rather than give a message that could be misinterpreted they'd rather go with this strict straight blunt cut just do this here it is because they know they're speaking to teenagers Mm. and they know that these teenagers probably only going to take in like three percent but they're like if they bring this strong conservative message maybe they'll take in the three percent that's my thoughts on it because i remember looking at the youth and being yeah terrified sometimes because you know the outside world you know what's going on and you know how easily young people can get caught up in it and as someone that has seen multiple teenage pregnancies and how people react when women have children or when 
not even yeah so like there's single mothers and then there's teenage pregnancies seeing how the churches react when those two scenarios come up yeah they so badly don't want it to happen they think if we drive this fear into you then maybe you never go near it but no if you don't adequately educate your young people they are vulnerable they can be manipulated yeah. they can be taken advantage of but in in it's like they're too scared to give that full type of education about agency over your own body and ownership over it because they think oh they might take that and then go and think oh okay so it's my body i can do this and they might go and do this and that and the other no we'll just tell them it's god's body don't it's a sacred temple you know don't desecrate it that's it just listen to that and you're good to go yeah and then they'll avoid all these other bad things. But it doesn't work like that because if they can't understand what is or isn't bad, it's just you're leaving your child too exposed at that point. But um, the question was back to... Sex and relationships. Sex and relationships. It's really funny that... I'm really blasting all my secrets out. Um, all the time that I was at church and even when I was at like my most radical... I never saw sex as just something for marriage. Sorry for everybody that heard that. <laughs> she said, why? <laughs> like, even sometimes I'd say, yeah, husband this, I can't wait. In my head, I was like, would I really wait until after? In my head, I was like, no. <laughs> I finally got to a point at my most, like, I was like, all right, I can just, when we're engaged. <laughs> In my head, I rationalised it to engagement. I was like, when we're engaged, it's fine, because we're getting married anyway. <laughs> and we can prepare. That's as far as I got, which is hilarious, because I would not let no man near me, I would not let no man touch me, I would not entertain nothing. But in my head, I'm like, when the time comes, I ain't waiting for nothing. And it was just this weird contrast, because in in all other aspects of my life, I was like, it's God, 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 God. And then that one, I was like, maybe a little bit for me. <laughs> Which, I don't know, it Just was very weird. Because even, like, a couple of years ago, one of my friends sent me, like, screenshots, like, from back when we were teenagers, like, oh, look at our old messages. And I was talking madness whilst leaving <laughs> you. And I said, was that me? Was I the same girl? I was flabbergasted. I was shocked. I was almost even disgusted at the things I was saying. I was like, whoa. me for? It's like, oh, this girl has some <laughs> problems going on there. There was problems going on, but, you know. <laughs> now. but um yeah it's funny having that and then when i got to university i was very much uh oh what was that? i was parading around i'm a virgin and then people used to think i wasn't a virgin and i get so offended <laughs> you were parading around that you were a virgin. yeah because they'd have this conception of you look too cool and you hang around and you're like grounded and blah, blah, blah. they see as if you were a virgin in the church you're one of those holier than now mm. always on your knees praying like you didn't hang around with all the people that listen to secular music. You know what I mean? They just looked at me and then, like, they would assume that I'd had a boyfriend and I was sleeping with someone or, like... I don't want to say, oh, she's too cool to be... As in, why are you a virgin when you have options? It was that kind of mentality. But I didn't like options anyway. But, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, and then the rest of my personal life happened. (laughs) But... I don't know. I, I was just weird. That's, that was my... Even when we were in youth, <laughs> when we would try and bring up conversations about sex, it would always get shut down immediately. I remember one time, I think either you 
or me tried to bring up the conversation you know we used to split up in age groups mm-hmm. i remember i so badly wanted to talk about this because i was so curious tumblr can only tell you so much mm-hmm. and i really wanted to have these conversations with you guys and immediately shut down mm-hmm. no we can't talk about this you guys and i'd be like why like we just can't talk about it and i think again it was because of fear that you know 100%. they said something they didn't want to be held responsible if then one of us went ahead and did one two three but we were at that age i think we were in like six form so we were probably like 17 18 16 where we're about to go off for university like mm-hmm. these are things that we're going to be facing mm-hmm. and they just didn't want to have anything to do with it i think i find it really funny how most of us had maybe our awakening or of finding ourselves once we left that environment Mm -hmm. that's when we really truly started growing more into it Mm -hmm. and for me it wasn't until we had our own little group as well that a lot of my questions got answered and i looked to you and another person Mm -hmm. to really like ask the help fill in the blank Mm because you you guys were older that girl's life group that we ran yes i was so determined to correct wrongs (laughs) And you did. It was so oh, heavy. I did a lot of so good. hard to the point that even when we used to plan the sessions, there were tears, there were arguments oh. because I had such clear. This needs to be fixed. I don't want these young girls to go out into the world and think this, this, that, and the other. Like by this point, hey, I was radical, but in a different way, mm. because I'd seen too many things happen to young girls within the ch- like church not our church but just church mm-hmm. and i hated it and i was like this is wrong against women and against christian women and this they're being mis- i ah i wanted to fight i wanted to fight everybody because i was like young girls are not being stood up for nobody's standing up for them nobody's fighting for them mm-hmm. and me i was also a young girl i was literally only a year older but i still wanted to do it anyway so we fought tooth and nail and I made it my personal mission to like, these girls need to, what's this show called? The Miseducate. They were miseducated. Yeah. <laughs> and they had to unlearn. Oh, they had to unlearn so much. Certain things I wasn't always correct about. But you were young but yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You were exactly. still But Mitha, those sessions, oh my goodness, mm. saved me. We a lot of unlearning hard. happened. And I was so grateful it happened. And once we all spied our ways and people were going to university elsewhere and I stayed here, I missed that so much that church just was not the same. Mm. Once I had a glimpse of what it was to actually truly communicate, read the Bible and apply it to your life in the most positive way, Mm. I could not see church the same. I was like, why can't it be like what me and my Mm -hmm. friends did? Mm. Why can't it be some, a safe place where there isn't any judgment. After that, I struggled to go back. I was like, well, if they're not here, what can I possibly, mm. how can I possibly learn? We were trying to plant the seed in. Honestly, it was beautiful. <laughs> and I wish, I wish everyone I wish could it, have had mm, that. Mm. And I hope that maybe our, our legacy went down and maybe we were brought up. Oh, Hopefully. the girls, they used to do this. Maybe you guys try that. And that another group of girls continue to have those conversations. Every girl that was in that life group is no longer in the church. Oh no. Every girl in that life group. That That's there, actually yeah. so true. Is no longer in it's the church. Really? Now I'm Can we say no we longer active? Was... Yeah. Like will it, like like because people still go back. Consistently. No, some of them are actually active in different churches. They're just no longer in that yeah, church. Yeah. Mm. So then I'm like, oh God, did we do 
I know. But it, I right think it was for the best. Yeah, we but did is the it right for the best? We did the right thing. I think it's because we got we I did get shut down. We, we don't mind. know until unless we had like a reunion and we all said like. But keep in mind, we did get shut down as well. Do you know I mean, we're only missing two people. A lot, a lot of, of girls came. Really, after me? Yeah, so many of us were in that group, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't quite be. There was like 12 or that something. Yeah, yeah. Been yeah. Like over a dozen. Do I have a, do I have a bad memory? Because I don't remember those. Let me nah, there was a lot of us. You weren't at every session. There was a lot of them. No, I was laughing at what you said, Frida. What I say? Um, I mean, I'm only laughing because I raised... About our awakening? Yeah, I raised myself in the church when it came to sex. Um, You've gone for the internet. And relationships. Mm, mainly internet, yes, but I was always just a curious kid. For me, it was definitely Tumblr. I was Tumblr. always someone who had a thought and said, oh, what does that, what is that in real life? Like, it, it's just a thought right now. I should make that my reality, right? Mm. So when I was thinking to myself, oh, let me be a bit less careful mm. let me be a bit more hair in the wind let me you know flip my hair back and forth exactly you know <laughs> i started to be but i was always actively friends with people who weren't a part of church right mm. but then i started to actively go in towards their parties and their celebrations and all of these things and i started to be educated from my peers about sex and about what it is and how to do things and this and that then i started having relationships myself and i think it was my second boyfriend um when i started to bring him to church yeah and then again i'm saying this because it's not always the heads who are looking at you You've got a big congregation of people sat side by side, row by row. And some of them feel responsible because they've known you for a long Whether time. Whether they feel responsible or they feel like they... Because I'm sat where they're sat, they've got something to say, you yeah. know? The wicked, those aunties that... You know? Yo, no. the way that people would be reporting back to my mum, oh, so-and-so is saying you're talking during church. I said, how do they know? You know? Who? And who? They're looking the wrong way. Them ones that used to report back to my mum. We're all looking the wrong way. How is the... We're looking looking straight ahead. We were never that loud, actually. That's such a lie. That's such a lie. I am loud. I am loud. The only thing that was ever a nuisance was the smell of my oranges. All right. All right. But yeah, no. So I brought that boyfriend to church a few times. Yeah. And whenever he wasn't there at church... Now it's a problem. Where's the boyfriend? Did you guys break up? No, not even did did you break up. Where is he? Why is he not at church? Mm. What's going on? Da, 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 da. The I'm church like, okay. aunties got involved in your business. Okay, sorry. I'll bring him next week. Yeah, now he's here. Alliance, yeah. yeah. Then they're telling me when he's here, say he's gone to the toilet and they're seeing me sipping my tea, yeah? Oh, Lily, are you going to get married? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't, I don't think I'm you just, like just, just, you know, oh, we're God. just going through things. We're just dating. Oh, are you sure? You know, they would question it. One minute when he's not there, where is he? Why isn't your partner with you? You're supposed to be fellowship together. Then when he's not, when he is there, oh, you know, you should be looking to God. You shouldn't be with the boys. You should be this, you should be that. So I was always kind of contradicted 
mm. within the church because of how I was always... It wasn't a safe space for you to explore yeah. relationships. Yeah, mm. because, again, whether I was giving an imagery of being too much, because, yes, I could see other people of relationships in the church and they weren't holding hands, they wouldn't kiss, they wouldn't do things that were... Barely did anything. Just mm. to each other. We need to have a conversation one day about secret relationships in the church. I know, but oh! I'm saying, I'm saying that the relationships, the people <laughs> that even I suspected, not one of them touched, not one of them. What? Done that. No, I'm joking. So, sorry, Lily. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so, <laughs> so, so when I'm here touching his legs, or if he's, if we're in worship and I want to hold his hands, now afterwards, they're questioning why I'm. Oh, mm-hmm. you! I saw you kissing your boyfriend in the service. I saw you do this one. Like, I can express myself that way. This is someone who I'm choosing to be with. But I think because of my age was what they were looking at, mm. especially. And whether it was their messed up mind thinking that I'm already in the sheets, which... Again, why are you thinking about a 15-year-old you know, doing stuff like that? Uh, somewhere. You know? Yeah, but that's none of your business. You know? That's yeah. none of your business. And not even business, but you shouldn't already... If you're looking at me and you see my age or you know me, why is that the thought process just because you see me holding a boy's hand, you know? Um... Well, you think about it, it's just so juvenile, isn't it? Very. It's none of their business because they didn't want to actually talk about it to begin with. That's what with. I mean. So why is it now you want to talk about it because now mm. you see a boy? That's what I mean. So then now whenever I was, so because I educated myself, whenever it came to those conversations mm. of I'll cover yourself or this, that, or you are to, like, don't be exposing yourself. And I'm thinking, excuse me, understandable, we should be doing that from older generations, mm. from people who are above us and know more. But the people of our age like of our age groups, my age mates are in the same age bracket of my mental, you know. They're Understandable. Yeah. They're boys and they might be a bit more horny, they might be a bit more active. Mm-hmm. But no one wants a baby. No one wants marriage. No one wants this, no one wants that. They just want to have fun and enjoy their life, innit? So that you know, that being a stigma and that being always held against me, I always felt a kind of way with relationships in the church. That's now why when I broke up with that guy, I'd never once said, Oh, I'm gonna bring a guy back Still to this day, I'll go to that church. Oh, how's your boyfriend? They will ask me about my relationships. Like it's a, like I was there preaching about it. <laughs> like, mate, mine, do you know what I mean? So I feel like within, within the so church, bad. within the church, my relationship between sex and relationship was always so inner, inner your business, mm. you know? Was so, oh, what are you, because of who I was and how comfortable I was expressing there, myself. Yeah, because of how I would express myself, being so openly whether it's open arms or open heart or whatever oh Lily you're too you're, you're such a nice person or you're too flirty flirty whatever whatever yeah then it's a problem but I'm just saying that I'm, I'm just expressing my love to my brothers most of the time mm. but it's still a problem but they didn't see it that way because that's we were not raised to really to be honest like let's be for real for real and I know a lot of people from uh the church that we went to and that we grew up in are probably going to listen to this we were never brought up to be friends with our quote-unquote brothers in christ no they were called brothers in christ by a term but and take responsibility some of you some of you bullies mm. some of you were bullies <laughs> no because i was like i'm taking they taught us to take a lot of responsibility for their lustfulness and all this different stuff meantime that they were bullying us calling us all sorts of different names especially to us as black girls and a lot of them were racial as well mm. there was a lot of anti-blackness from black boys themselves mm. there was a lot of Ooh. name calling Oof. there was a lot i'm just saying what it was um and then it comes to literally growing up in the church 
And again, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying that they were definitely a factor in my own journey of unlearning a lot of my own internalized anti-blackness. But I did not consider myself as beautiful or desirable until I went to university. I did not know anything about relationships other than to aspire to marriage. I did not know anything about sex because, again, nobody wanted to have these conversations. I didn't have these conversations at home. I didn't have the... Yeah, from my friends. But that's the thing. That's not enough. I shouldn't be taught by another 15-year-old about sex. So there I am literally walking through life not knowing a lot, going to university and finding myself in situations that I look back now and as a 24-year-old, all I could do is hold my 19-year-old self and my 18-year-old self and just be like, I'm so sorry you had to go through those things because you were not fully equipped or aware of these things. I shouldn't have had... The thing is, is that I appreciate that girls' life group. That was amazing. But again, it should have come from somebody that was two years older than me two years older than me when there are mature, mature women in the church that have gone through things that should be, if they are willing to, if they want to, that could have been mm. helping us, guiding us in that way. And they were not the ones teaching us. It was somebody that was two years older than me. I'm, sure I'm not angry at to. it. I'm sure they wanted to. It's just I, I'm not angry at it. I'm just saying that it's yeah. just, there's I something. I they didn't know how to talk and again purity culture is so strong especially from women who come from like our countries who get married so young Mm -hmm. or who do end up having children out of wedlock they don't want that for us as well Mm -hmm. so they think the best thing to do is to just don't teach the kids about sex that's the thing though that is where that was my that is where the danger lies it is not saying and literally echoing emma for what you said before like you the there's so much fear and Mm -hmm. i get it now especially again I'm in my early 20s. The world is scary. If I could protect my cousins, young girls, oh my God, I would. I would want to cover their ears and I would want them to live through the world with rainbows and sunshine. But unfortunately, that is not how the world is. And I too feel like, especially being a camp counsellor when I went to America, that was one of the things I genuinely wanted to give to these young girls is that I, I can't paint the world as if it's rainbows and sunshine and cookies. I have to tell you the real, real, that the world is trash, mm. unfortunately. And I wish that it wasn't, but it is. Mm. And unfortunately, because there was so much, because there was so much shh, hush, 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 fear, 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 there was a lot of shame. It was easier to inject shame into yes. us and to feel like, cover up, don't do this, don't do that. So then you have young people growing up, finding themselves in in situations in which they were either exploited, abused, or experienced shame. Like myself in a previous relationship, both of us, because we grew up in a religious context, we experienced a lot of shame. Nobody was putting it on us. We just felt a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. So much shame. We were literally projecting shame onto each other. (laughs) It was a like great for and i'm open to say this because i I really at this point it's been so long i don't care and i've done a lot of work but even then i have to accredit that to therapy i have to accredit that to how my relationship with god has transformed but that relationship because we made the decision together to be sexually active there was so much shame going back and forth he felt shame i felt shame we were just we couldn't support each other because we both felt shame we were locked in the shame together. Mm. We did not how we did not know how to navigate that. And then even talking to people that were young Christians that then got married, them talking about the shame, even in the context of marriage, which in which we are told 
now we can have sex. Mm. So many people like I felt so much shame. It's I didn't enjoy. Sex. I didn't enjoy yeah. sex for like a year, two wow. years into the marriage. And you're thinking, are you serious? Mm. Because so they, you mean we have no peace? They spent their whole lives being told, "Don't do that thing, else you'll be dirty and mm. you've done something wrong." But then one day you can just say, "Yeah, go for it." But to people. mentally tell themselves not to do that thing, they've had to view it so negatively. Mm. That if you now came and said, "Okay, you're free to go," mm-hmm. they, I, I even used, to, I read this like article that was done about Christian women that she felt, she felt dirty when she had sex with her husband for the first time, because she wasn't a pure virgin anymore because she has linked purity and godliness mm. with that, which. Not what I mean, that's what happens with decades do. of telling young people that, you know, mm. that their body is their sexuality and those two things mm-hmm. are forever... And that their bodies are not their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to, to back on what you said, Sarah, about there not being anyone to teach us, right? I have one person who I think would have been amazing to teach us the things that we were having in that girls' group, right? They did one thing within the church and they were shunned. Same way with when a specific couple, they split up, boom. There was no such thing as them on the stage no more. There was no such thing as, as, as a ref- because that reflection of happy relationship, happy happiness, or what the image of church says about relationship was tainted, boom, you're out in the church. You know what I mean? Mm. So all of these people who could have been great teachers because they lived the real world, they experienced that in the church, they weren't allowed to be within it. So in terms of being that arm to reach out to, that was a, a pathway lost. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That road was mm-hmm. cut off. And that's only because of how the church wanted to keep that. Again, it goes back to image. Mm-hmm. I get why they do it from a sense of they don't want to set the wrong example. And they only want people, they only want to push the right example, but... I feel like there's more nuance to it and they need to rethink their approach to how they do it because it got, there's one end which is all right we want to show that we're an example of this we want to show others this is how you do it quote unquote the right way and then the other side makes people who aren't fitting into that feel as if well I'm not good enough because I can never get to that level and this 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 and they're never going to fully accept me or welcome me in and then all of a sudden they feel isolated and they feel like this isn't their home, this isn't their place, this isn't where they're wanted because they're too different from what has been established as this cookie-cutter, perfect Christian example. Mm. So I, I don't know, how, I don't have the answers about how to like go about that because I see it, but then it's like, but that ain't it, you know? But the joke is everybody has something that they've done. Mm. We all have. It's just again in the church, everyone's seeing and everyone. That is the point of the gospel. Sorry, <laughs> I missing. have to say it because we have all fallen short from the glory of God. And what was the reason why Jesus came? So that we could be reconnected to the Father. I'm sorry, I'm really passionate about it. Yeah, because why are we not? We have we were separated from God for this very reason: human flaws. Mm. So why is there no room? No scope for flaws mm, within the church. Why do we have to live up to this image of perfection when we know we're not perfect? And then that leads room for people to exploit power yep. because people are vulnerable and isolated within their own. I'm struggling with this. Like, even if 
nobody says that when you become a Christian that everything is going to be perfect. It's just going to be that Jesus is with you in those in those imperfect times. Yeah. Nobody says that you're never going to experience sadness again. You're never going to experience depression again. You're never going to X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. But now you have God. Now you have God. And that is so powerful. That is so powerful. And like for me, while you guys were talking, I was just thinking about like, there's a quote that Bell Hooks says in, I think it's a book. Um, oh, I can't remember which book, but I do remember reading it. And she said, for me, forgiveness and compassion are always linked. How do we hold people accountable for wrongdoing and yet at the same time remain in touch with their humanity enough to believe in their capacity to be transformed? Mm. Is that from the will to change? I don't know if it's the will to change or... It might be. Actually. And you would think that in a church especially that that capacity to see the better in someone and the capacity for them to change would be greater. But it's actually worse. Because the instant somebody does something that goes a lot against whatever it is that we as a congregation believe, they're kicked out. They're shunned. How many people have we seen leave the church? Mm-hmm. For human error. And the thing is, is that I'm not necessarily like pointing the finger at church and being like, it's you, it's you. I just think institutionally, it's so ingrained at this point that even if we wanted to give people a chance, we don't know how to do it. Mm. Like even for myself, sometimes I have to catch myself and be like, you're judging that person. Why are you judging that person? Because it's so... Time to unlearn to do that. It's so ingrained into who we are. And this is just me after 24 years. Now imagine you've been in the church for 50 years. And now you're passing that down to your children and you've been in the church for generations. Like, how do we unlearn that as an institution? How do we begin to do what Christ did for us, which is to extend compassion, extend grace, extend forgiveness? Because after loving God, we are supposed to, we are called to love our neighbour. So how do we do those things when institutionally and structurally we've not and the way the hierarchy and powers of the church balance plays out we don't know how that looks like even if we wanted to what does that look like mm. i'm ge- this is a genuine question to all churches <laughs> i would love to have a question have a discussion with church leaders about this how do we do that mm. Mm. it's a question a million question that they've spent a long time trying to answer and they haven't done a very good mm-hmm. job <laughs> i feel like there's no winning no regardless i mean there's only one example we should all follow and that's jesus we shouldn't look to other human beings to be examples Mm. that's the problem too many people are like put on pedestals to be seen as the perfect example and then that puts so much pressure on them and that often what is what leads them to sorry to making these mistakes Mm -hmm. like cheating like infidelity it's a self-sabotage thing so much pressure so we need to stop looking at each other to be that example and more look at each other as to being the thing that helps us navigate life Mm. and the only example is really jesus Mm -hmm. that's i think a start because no other person is more perfect or better Mm. they're just better at hiding it Mm. and then in all that we have said um i'm gonna skip that last part because it's gonna fit into this next question that i ask um what my final question is, are you still in church now? Slash, what is your relationship with God like now? Slash, how is your faith now? 
And I guess that also ties into probably the overall... Okay, hold on. Scrap. Let me start again. My last question is how were you miseducated about church? And it's now how are you re-educating yourself about church? And what does your faith look like now? Mm. So miseducated, re-educated, current faith status. Okay. Um, I'm going to answer quickly before I forget. So, my miseducation on church, I used to have this image in my head that everything was very black and white and clear cut. You're either right or you're wrong. You're either sinning or you're not. You're either good or you're bad. And I won't lie, that made me very judgmental against other people. I even used to do it to myself, where it was very much, I thought it was so simple. You are a Christian, you love God you'd be good. Mm. Good, I say, but what is that? Mm. And so for a very long time, as I started to grow up and things were happening, I'm like, that doesn't make sense because you're a Christian, so why would you do that? Because mm. I just felt no compulsion on that kind of thing. And um, it took, yeah, things happening and me finally realising and learning and me being in situations myself and being like, you're a Christian, why would you do that? And almost hating myself, because I was like, why would I do that if I'm a Christian? Why can't I just be good? Mm. And all these other Christians are just good, and they're not having problems, and you're causing problems in your own life, and da-da-da-da. Yeah, it took that, and that kind of breakthrough of, actually, no, we are imperfect, which I know, but we say these things, and we've heard these things, and we say these things in church, we've read these things, but it's different having that understanding within yourself and some of those understandings come from life experiences. Mm. And you can say and say and say, prepare and prepare and prepare until you're in it. Mm-hmm. And then it's completely different. And yeah, some some lessons just come through experience, I'll say. Mm. And my re-education... You know, I'm not really like... I don't know how to word it. I. My focus is the fact that God is love. Mm. and to do things out of love because before it was to do things out of serving God and being seen as a good Christian mm. now it's out of the love in your heart but I also never I have this thing about I never want to be perceived as like oh she's nice oh she's good mm. because that can mean anything and anybody can put on those and just act that role my main focus is she's genuine so if I'm 100% genuine all the time if I do something that I feel is genuine to me and then I don't like it after, I won't try and cover it up and then pretend to be nice. It'll be more of what do I need to change within myself that my genuine acts would reflect how I wanted Mm. it to. Mm. So yeah, that has always been my motto to try and be more genuine, less kind, less nice, which sounds like a mad sentence to say, but yeah, you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What was the last bit? What is your faith now? What is your faith right now? My faith is very interesting right now, actually. I Moving back to Coventry, I kind of lost it for a bit mm-hmm. because it was the whole coming back to the home church and just so many memories and so much hurt and like things that have happened that I ran away for a long, long time and I kept running, kept running, kept running. And then I realised that my family, like since lockdown, hadn't been going so much and I was like, if none of us is going, who's holding God within his family? Like, who's bringing that in? So I was forcing myself, and I'd go to church and I'd hate it. I'd go and I'd like, get there, sit down straight away, and as soon as it's time to go, I'd just run away and leave because I barely wanted to be there, but I went anyway because I was like, 
somebody has to hold on tight and if they ain't gonna do it i'm gonna have to do it even though i didn't want to be there even though i used to go home and cry after sometimes and like it was just rehashing so many old wounds and like just memories and everything and i hated that and then i remember one time i came with one of my aunts and then literally as we were all praying the pastor had a message for me and as soon as i heard him say my name my blood ran cold and i wanted to throw up i wanted to run away and i was at the back of the church like back row and I was like, because at that point I was talking to God whilst we were praying anyway. And I was like, God, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this church. Like, I need to find somewhere else because I literally can't do this because there's too many bad memories now, like over the good. And then the pastor said what he said. And then I was just like, oh, crap. Okay, I guess I am staying. So then I've kind of had like um, some weeks I just couldn't do it. every Because it's like every time it's like a wound being open again. And I just couldn't do it. But I'm in a better place now and I'm trying to be more consistent and I don't like who I am without God in my life. Even mm-hmm. though like, oh, I'll be having fun, I'll be doing this, living my life and I'll get home and I literally just look at myself and say, why did you do that? Things that I know I don't want for myself, mm-hmm. but you do them anyway. Things that you know you don't want for your future, but you do it anyway because you're, you're having fun. Mm-hmm. And then I get home and I'll be like, but you know that's not what you want to be or where you want to end up. So why do that? Yeah. so even right now I'm still in a process I've had to confront a few things this past couple of months which is hilarious but we've done it anyway and I haven't died so that's yeah. good um, yeah so we're on a journey back to I never I don't want to say I ever lost God and I found home in my church in Kent and now I've had to come back and look at my home church and like make it home again in my mm. own way which has been very uncomfortable the new you yeah the same person exactly and trying to show that has been a horrible process mm, but who only remember the old you mm-hmm. yeah but yeah that's where i'm at we're doing that now yeah Damn. good for you boo thanks good for you mm. um miseducated within the church would be my perception that everyone is accepted that everyone is welcomed mm-hmm. within whatever role you want to be in, especially because of this continuous status that they would put serving in, right? Come, we need people to be a part of this. We want you to be a part of this. And that's what made me think that it was always an open uh, open door policy. And that's where I think I was miseducated, Mm -hmm. bloody hell no, English, Um, was because I had that mentality in the hopes of not getting shut down by whether it's um, the leaders themselves or uh, people within different, different, different teams of the, of the, of the church, not allowing me to serve, not allowing me to do exactly what they've been asking. And that was what really boggled my mind whilst I was trying to find my foot in, in where where I want to be and who I want to be within this church. Mm. Not just someone who was a part of the congregation, someone was in the crowd. I wanted to be a part of the church. And I was heavily, heavily miseducated in the fact that, no, they have criteria, they have this, they have they're looking for something specific, even though they're op- opening it to be quite broad. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a learning curve. That was difficult. Um, because my heart was there. But 
it's like they didn't want the body understandable they knew i had a big heart they knew that i was able to give they knew that i was able to communicate with everybody old young whoever but it was me who you didn't want not the heart you understand Mm. so that was a big a big learning curve um am i re-educated not really i still see sadly i'm still tainted do you get it like i still see that side of the church now that my eyes are open to it i don't ever feel like i can find my feet in that church because time and time again of wanting to be a part of it being pushed away even if i was to be welcomed in now it'll feel so forced that i would not want to be a part of it in any capacity whether it's with the kids music even to give up bulletins i would say no because i I wanted to but i still see them as that i don't see the change i don't see the evolution of of gaining such people, do you understand? Mm. Um, and yeah, the last question was um, What's your faith now? That's a good question. My side. faith right now is very selfish. As rude as that might sound, I am a selfish Christian. I am not proud of it. I still know I have God. But I go to him when it's when I want to, in a sense. Mm. If I'm feeling down, I know what playlist is going to make me feel better. Do you know what I mean? I will go to Bethel Worship, play that song, Are You Okay? It will make you feel so much better. You're going to be okay, sorry, that's the song. Mm. Um, and that, when I, whenever I hear such things, when I need it, I know that I'm, I'm so thankful that I know where to go. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying that I'm selfish because I don't wake up and say, oh yeah, let me say a prayer. I don't wake up and say, I'm going to sing a song. Sometimes, yeah, you'll just catch me singing a random little gospel, cool, calm. But it's not conscious. It's not by choice until I know that it's going to benefit my soul. Mm. Um, And that's what I mean when it says it's rocky because it benefits my soul. Afterwards, I feel so much better. I Whether I've, my heart feels lighter whether i have got that burden off my chest or all that problem somewhat feel to be solved because i've had that conversation with god Mm. but when i'm living my life and i know that a trouble is going to come i don't prepare him to help me Mm -hmm. i don't say god i'm going to need you soon i'm looking to you to help me i'm like lord jesus why didn't i come to you before (laughs) my days you know like and i'm saying that because i see that I don't know if that's something that I'm going to change only because <clears throat> only because I'm afraid that if I get to enough I'm going to want to start getting back into the church mm-hmm. and so I know that, that cycle mentality. do you know what I mean yeah. it's just a constant mm-hmm. cycle that I'm not accepted I'm not wanted there and I don't want to find a new place that will accept me because I wanted that one do you understand so it's just a kind of a constant cycle of, eh, he's there when I want him to be next to me. He's in the room always. He's in the building. He's somewhere, but he's not right next to me, holding me, you know, catching me when I fall until I tell him to come. So something that I might not change, but it will change me. Do you get it? Can I challenge you? Go for it. With that mindset, and again, like I'm not saying necessarily that you need to change, but are you really allowing God to be God? 
No, that's what I mean. Like, there are times where I've realised that, oh, if I had even the strongest bit more faith, I would have way much more belief in myself. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Like, if I knew that no matter... If I had the constant belief and the know-how that regardless God is going to get me through it, yeah, my music career would have possibly been a bit stronger right now. My uni experience would have possibly been 10 times better by now do you understand i'm saying i know that i know that and at times i have worked on it i have especially when i came back from kenya i was devoted to do everything the right way i was doing um both christian and life Mm. journeys so i was doing the whole um self-care doing them affirmations telling myself that i am enough but I was also looking to God and saying, remind me, tell me who I am, show me who I am. And that was a great time. I was getting the things that I wanted. I was making the things that needed to be made. Then I kind of stopped and I do see that change. Mm-hmm. So maybe. No promises though. I can't promise something that I, if I let myself down, then that's going to be even worse. Well, it'll be okay too. Yeah. It'll be okay, but I, I, I don't like letting myself down, so. You can never really let yourself down. No promises. Mm. Rita? How have I been miseducated in church? Uh, it's a tricky one. For me personally, I think it was just as I started university that I started to be disillusioned with what I had thought church was, and that was very heartbreaking. However, I never allowed my experiences in church to affect my relationship with God. I always knew those two things were different. Mm. So when I left the church, mm. my relationship with God was always going to be there. Like I, it's been it's been me and him for before I was even born, probably mm. with how religious my family is. So for me, that was always. God was always going to be number one and I still pray all the time and I still look to him. It was just a case of now that I had the kind of spiritual knowledge, I wanted more of the worldly knowledge Mm. to make me a more well-rounded person. Mm -hmm. And that was a choice to leave the church. was like, I felt like I wasn't getting what I wanted and that too much of me was being required that I wasn't one willing to give and to a lot of the fundamental beliefs in church I no longer agreed with it wasn't mm. a part of who I was anymore and I wanted to explore that more so that's why I left um, I'm grateful for church because without church I don't think a lot of my core beliefs and of who I am would be what they are and I wouldn't have met the wonderful people that I met who have been my sisters since then and gosh where would I be without you guys Hmm. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> but yeah. What was the second one? Re-educated how you Re-educating me. I guess again it was just combining everything that I learned in church and the person that I had started to build myself to be and just making her a more well rounded person who could empathize with all the people that I was told not to associate with for the first part of my life. And to gain more knowledge of the people who are on this planet, people from other religions, other beliefs, people who didn't believe anything, 
like I really started to look at them not as enemies or as people that I needed to change, but like looking at them as like, what can I learn from them mm -hmm. to make me a more loving person and a better person? And again, I met so many wonderful people having that mentality that I never would have had in that church. Mm -hmm. And, I'm, and I'm, yeah, that's probably the biggest re-educating that I had. In terms of my relationship now, I think I'm very much similar to Lily. A lot of trust that had been built is definitely broken and it's not necessarily through the experiences that i've had but kind of hearing the other experiences of people around me and me one not being aware of it at the time being ignorant to it or just not seeing it and understanding that 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 experience happened around me and i had no idea it kind of scared me a bit I like, do I want to allow myself to be in that environment where I can be, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but I can kind of forget myself a little bit to start thinking in that hive mentality, to start thinking at like everyone and pushing people out and making people pariahs because that's what everyone's thinking, that's what everyone's believing. That, that definitely scares me. I think now with who I am, as the headstrong person I am, I think that would be harder to be, but I would hate to be in that environment. I feel like my opinions and viewpoints are kind of so out of what church is. Mm. It would be hard to fit back in now. Mm. I feel like a lot of what would be taught, I would be rolling my eyes and being like, this could have been done differently. And not being able to be in a position of power to change it or to have people welcoming to change. Mm. Again, I don't feel like I have the energy to to engage in that. Like I've had people tell me, you should come and be a youth leader, you'd be so good. And I was like, I would be, but would you allow me to change the things mm -hmm. that need to be changed? Because mm -hmm. if I was to become a youth leader, which I would love to, I would be so radical. It'd be insane. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the church is ready for that. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And I don't want to put myself in a place where I'm fighting all the time mm -hmm, to, mm -hmm. to be seen, to be heard, Trust to speak me. up. Mm. That would just get so exhausting. Mm -hmm. But I would love to... I miss church. I do miss worship. I miss the community. I'm sure... The thing is, in churches, you have such a mixture of people. You have people who are generally on fire for God. Mm. But because everyone is, such, is on a mid-level, those people don't get to reach that full potential of what God has in store for them because the church isn't ready for that or because certain people are afraid of that. So you have a mixture of people who are like, they want change, they want, they, they're so on fire for God and you have them mixing with people who are not. Mm. And I feel like I don't want to, I can't be in an environment where I'm seeing people mm. constantly being suppressed just to fit the norm. And that's mm. what church is. Mm. So... As much as I would love, 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 love to, I know that the first thing people are going to say to me is, come back to church and join leadership and do something and lead, you know, the youth. And, like, that's a lot. But you, if I was to do that, you wouldn't be ready for what it is that we'd want to do. Because mm -hmm. all the people that have come before us that have wanted to make change, they're gone now. That's the sad thing I was about to say. I was going to say... they're all gone. Sadly, the thing that is my least favorite about church is that no, no the, the world let's say is that nothing stays the same no it does stay the same that's the problem no things don't for example for in terms of the the last the the first two leaders of the youth within our within our church 
were phenomenal. They literally mm, raised let's not us. Say that. No, I'm saying as in as in they tried their best to raise us to have somewhat fire within us, right? I'm just saying let's be cautious of that because we weren't fully raised by them. There was a previous generation who also went through their own That's what I mean. church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying So I don't think we ourselves in when we came, I don't think we can fully say they were amazing. Okay, we people, I will speak for I will speak for people myself. I will speak for myself. In in knowing that I've had what, five different youth leaders in that whole lifetime of being in that church, there was only specifics that put an actual fire within me that want, that made me feel like I could actually, you know, fight the fight of Christ. You know what I mean? I could literally carry his cross around the whole fucking world if I had to, yeah? <laughs> and it was within, it was because of how they were reminding us that we are the generation to make that change. We are the people that can be that voice, right? So when they, when they left, I was like, okay, cool, who's next? And the next... They began to make it as it is now. They kind of plateaued and plateaued and, and started to simmer down the fire that was already starting to somewhat smoke in the building. Do you know what I mean? So now everything is at that level where it's unison. It's just... It, it's like so-so. It's always like that. We just weren't aware at the time because we were so young. Uh, me, again, I will say it for myself because I, I remember being crazy passionate, bruv. Crazy. And then coming back and realising things had changed and nothing just getting hated on and being sour people are gonna people aren't they mm. i think for myself i always say this to people and i think it's just like a you have to just know the full story but like church really broke my heart mm. like there was so much so many things that i had to unlearn because but i think it was and it's important to say church in the sense of the biblical term of the people. Mm. The people, because of the institution and how church has been institutionalised, that is what broke my heart. And I think also growing up in a context in which everything was religious, there was no separating religion from God. I didn't know. Mm. I didn't know that there was two different things because that's all I've ever known. It was all I had ever known. So when it happened... It was like complete heartbreak, and then it. The thing is, is that like, I feel like for some people it was like a gradual like, oh, church is not what it seems. But for me, it was actually one after the other, after the other, after the other, mm-hmm. after the other, back to back to back. Like I could not breathe for a year and a half, and I remember having to have several conversations with God, with my now ex, with my therapist, with myself where i was like you need to step back from church it is okay to step back from church and find out what you believe in yourself at this point it's necessary to take a step yeah from church. and so that's what i've had to do and that's kind of where i'm at now is taking a step back from church with everything that has come out and just kind of like figuring out who i believe in and even it's funny now because even sometimes in my devotions i'll start to say things and i'll be like I'm saying that out of habit because that's what I've heard at church, but what does that mean? Mm. And that's intrigued me with really interesting like Bible studies and stuff like that. Because I've just been able to be like, research this and then be like, why is it like this? And why is it... And I genuinely, when I read the Bible, I feel like a child because I'm constantly reading mm-hmm. and asking questions. And I thank God that I have been privileged to know people like you guys who have kind of like been there to kind of like 
support me in the questions and the uncertainty of it all. But I also thank God for other people who have like, whether for a short time or a long time, journeyed with me in like my biblical study and been and just being like, why did you do this? And why have you done this? Like, honestly, some of the past couple of weeks, especially in like rehearsals for the last show that I did, having conversations with people and then telling me their testimonies or saying their journey with their faith and where they're at and talking about the Bible and certain things like that has been amazing and so helpful in my own faith because it's been encouraging and I think that I never I never not once didn't believe in God and there's been so many parts of me that has actually questioned like is it that I don't believe in is it that I believe in God because that's all I've ever known and it's like no no like even if it is now it's my own choice mm-hmm. even if I'm only believing it because this is all I've ever known da, 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 now it's my choice before it wasn't a choice. It was just like a, oh, this is what I know. Now it's a choice. Mm. So I think in summarising everything that we have said and in our own experiences, I think we're still all still going on our own journeys and who knows where we will be in, in a year, three months from now, a year from now, five years from now. Mm. Um, but I will say thank you all for being a part of this episode. Thank you for being open and honest with your experiences and your stories. And yeah. Thank you to my beautiful, wonderful friends, Lily, Frida and Emma. Thank you for being on the show. I'm so glad that we finally got to be able to do this episode together. Um, Honestly, I love doing episodes with people that I know and especially when it comes to my best friends like there's my best friend those my best friend like they I love them so much and literally just it makes the editing process harder but more enjoyable because I just sit here with a smile on my face like an idiot just kind of like cutting and pasting everything because I just love listening to my friends and I love hearing their perspectives and hearing their experiences and just talking with them anyway gushing over friends over with what are my takeaways from this episode firstly I'm I'm gonna hold myself accountable now I'm gonna hold myself accountable this episode was not my best interviewing episode hands down um I'm actually quite annoyed with myself because I know that I can do better I wish that I would have given more space and listened to what my friends were saying rather than trying to combat and challenge and even giving my own perspective. I think that on the podcast and within the blog space, I have talked enough about my own journey with my faith. I think that I didn't need to always give kind of like my perspective or my answer to the question. I think I should have really just focused in on my friends and what they had to say and their own experiences. I feel like I did not hold the space correctly, especially with a topic as sensitive as discussing church hurt and discussing faith. Secondly, I think the thing that stood out the most to me while speaking to my friends about their experiences was the amount of vulnerability that was in the room, that was present in the room when we discussed it but that was also quite prevalent while editing the episode. For me, 
This was the first time feeling the weight of the collective church hurt that we had all experienced and just understanding more the long division between faith and religion and church and God. I think that my friends have done incredibly well articulating and expressing their stories but I know that there is so much more that we have experienced together that they have experienced on their own that just didn't make the cut of this episode and I want to thank them again for that. I really do want to thank you guys for your vulnerability and your honesty because this was not easy to do. In saying this I would like to emphasize the need for not just grace and compassion and and forgiveness but for accountability It breaks my heart to know that something that was so prevalent in the formative years of my life is also the thing that has broken so many people. It's just a call for accountability for people's actions and to really take a long look at ourselves and understand how we, as a part of this institution, as a part of the congregation, could be perpetuating harmful lessons not just to our young people but just for people that are vulnerable and in need and when it comes to church there are a lot of people that are vulnerable and in need um so yeah that's my second point my third point is that I actually would love to talk to pastors or youth leaders Um, about some of the things that we discussed in this episode I would love to get their perspective Um, and I want to be able to do that because I want to encourage a conversation and I want to encourage healthy discussions that aren't quite patronizing and very like pointing the finger and like you did this and but you did this and like I don't want that I genuinely want to have a conversation to understand where people are coming from because I think as was rightly done within the episode there was definitely theorizing and hypothesizing of you know maybe there was fear and there was this and that um but you can never really know unless you ask so I guess this is kind of an open call for potential pastors or youth leaders that would like to discuss maybe their own experiences of church hurt and and their own experiences while growing up in the church and what led them into ministry and how they handle when things like this come up um, and handle church hurt. Um, But yeah, those are my thoughts. Those are my takeaways. Those are my opinions. Thank you again to my beautiful friends for being open, honest and sharing your experiences with us. And with all that has been said, I now reflect the question back to you guys. What are you learning slash unlearning about your faith? And where are you currently in your faith? Let me know. And you can let me know by following Miss Educate on social media. The information will be in the description box below. Additionally, so will the Miss Educate blog, where you can now listen to these episodes along with a few additional notes from yours truly. I will also mention here that there are tons of blog posts in the faith category on the blog for those that would like to hear more about my faith journey and kind of just my perspective and opinions on faith and religion. And while you're there, don't forget to add your email to the subscription list so that you don't miss out on new posts. And lastly, continue to watch, read, listen, educate, and then re-educate yourselves. 
make sure to rate review on apple podcasts and spotify and share this podcast with a friend and tune in next time for another discussion on the miseducate podcast bye